The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn News. We've all heard the phrase that money makes the world go round. While that may not literally be true, the vast majority of us work to pay our bills and support ourselves. So even if you don't like talking about money, it's an important topic. We're talking all about it on today's episode. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. If you ask someone whether they're paid fairly for their work, they'll most likely say they don't know. Why? Well, historically, we are terrible when it comes to conversations about money and finances. Many people are still taught that it's taboo to bring up money in conversations. The lack of information can allow a lot of misinformation to thrive. Just think about the rumors that swirl around workplaces when someone takes a lavish vacation or shows up with a new designer whatchamacallit. So today, we're focusing on finding out accurate information on salaries and how to use it to our advantage. Joining us is Rona Pierce, who is a LinkedIn top voice, and she helps professionals get noticed and earn more money. Let's start in the beginning because, you know, a lot of people, they don't like to talk about money. But why is it so important to actually know the value of your work and what you should be getting paid? I remember a few years back, way before I ever worked in HR or TA, someone accidentally sent me a spreadsheet with all the salaries of everyone at the company. And I realized how little I was making in comparison to other people because they paid me exactly what I asked for when I negotiated my salary. I just came in with a number that was not the right number. I would have done research if I would have talked to more people. I would have had a better number to bring into my negotiation. And I was raised to never talk about money. I'm from Latin America. I was raised by West Indian parents. I'm a first-generation college student. My family was low income. But when I got my first job offer, I was just like, oh, great, fantastic. That's a nice number. I like that number. But I didn't do any of the background research and things like that. So down the line, when I found out I was actually underpaid, it's because I started out of the gate so low that I didn't ask for more. And it really compounds over time, especially if you're going to be at an employer for a while. There's been a lot of discussion about salary transparency. And in different industries, there have been public spreadsheets where people will like volunteer their information. Can you actually trust that publicly available information or what people advertise or at least volunteer? I mean, it really depends. You really have to vet your sources and really figure out, is this a trustworthy source? But another thing that is really important is context is everything when it comes to salary. If I were talking to you and I said, hey, I want to be an editor at LinkedIn and you told me how much you made, 
that number is irrelevant to me and here's why. I don't have a journalism degree. I've never worked in a newsroom. I've never been a writer professionally, let alone an editor. So the number you share with me, the only thing I can do with that is aspire for that number whenever I get to the same place. But as someone wanting to move into that, that number is irrelevant for me. So when you see that information out there about people's salaries, it's important to know that there's so much behind how a company got to offering them that number. Also, where you live is important, too, because yes. I live in New York City and it is pricey here. The cost of living is high everywhere. But there are some areas of the country where you are going to make more because you're going to have to pay more in rent. Yes, that's very true. And with remote work, a lot of people forget that. Now, most companies take geography or where you're living into account when they offer you a salary. So even if it's a remote job and the company's out of New York, I live in Oklahoma, I don't necessarily always get offered the same thing as someone doing my same exact job somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And Obviously, something to sort of do would be to say, can I ask Joe, Janice or whoever how much they make? Do you think that's OK? It depends on the relationship you have with the person. If someone I don't know out of the blue just sends me an email and asks me what my salary is, I will likely not reply to them <laughs> because I don't know what that information is for. Now, if it's someone that I have a relationship with, I definitely would. So it's important to take into account when reaching out to people or when deciding to do that, what is the relationship you have with that person? If you do feel comfortable asking, but you're still a little bit worried about just asking flat out, what do you make or what is your salary? I sometimes tell people to say, I was thinking of asking between this and this for this position. Do you think that's fair? That way, even if you don't really know the person that well, they'll have a good idea and say like, oh, actually, I think you could ask for a little bit more. Yeah. And also, if you have any recruiters in your network, that's also a good resource to tap into because recruiters, we have access to salary survey data and reports and we're all there in the market. So we know how much companies are paying. So if you have a relationship with a recruiter, you can ask them, hey, Hey, I'm planning on doing this or this is where I'm at um, in my career. Do you think this is a reasonable number or what should I be asking for? We'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Kwame Christian, CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. And I have a quick question for you. When was the last time you had a difficult conversation? These conversations happen all the time. And that's exactly why you should listen to Negotiate Anything, the number one negotiation podcast in the world. We produce episodes every single day to help you lead, persuade, and resolve conflicts both at work and at home. So level up your negotiation skills by making Negotiate Anything part of your daily routine. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. We're back with Rona Pierce, talking about salaries and how to find out what your time is worth. You know, something that has popped up recently is salary transparency on job postings. So when you see a job ad that says a huge salary range, do you think that's useful or should people be paying attention to those? What's your advice about those? I think salary transparency is beautiful. I'm a huge advocate for it. It's helped me recruiting have better conversations with both leaders like hiring managers and with candidates. That gives you an insight into the company's budget. That's just another data point in your negotiation. Now, just because there's this range doesn't mean that you're always going to get the top of the range or the bottom of the range, but it can help you ask those questions of what does it take to get this number from you specifically at this company? Yeah. Because before you never knew what the range was, right? So you're coming in and they're asking you how much you want to make and you did this whole cat and mouse game of like, oh, we're paying this. I want this. Now the conversation has shifted to what does someone at the top of that range have versus someone at the bottom of the range? And then you can use that information for your negotiation. Yeah, and I think that's really true because there's so many companies that game the system with those laws where they put a really wide range. But sometimes you will come across one that maybe has a narrow range, and that probably gives you a good idea like, oh, okay, this is probably accurate information, where the other is it's basically they're not giving you any information at all. Yeah, it tells you a lot about the company and what they value, and it definitely isn't their employees. Because if you valued your employees, your candidates, you would do a more accurate range. Yeah. And also what they're usually doing, if they're giving you a good range where maybe it says like 52,000 to let's say 74,000, that's probably what's called a salary band. What that means is that band is where a person can fall depending on experience and the different hiring variables. Exactly. Yes, that is very, very true. Because if 75 is for someone who's already done the role and proving that they've done it, and I'm talking to someone just fresh out of college, and they want 75, <laughs> that's fine. They can want 75. But as a recruiter, I can tell them, look, the odds of you getting that are pretty low, unless you can prove to the hiring manager X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And Obviously, the information that you find on job postings, what you hear from people who are your peers or former colleagues or maybe future colleagues is all really great information. But that's not the only place you could look, right? Yeah, there's a ton of places. Look, there's a lot of salary research tools out there. There's Glassdoor, Payscale, Salary.com. There's just a ton. I think it's important when I'm looking online and evaluating where I'm getting my information from, I make sure that the information gets updated. I don't want to base any of my research on salaries from 10 years ago. A lot of these tools rely on employee reported data. So it's important to figure out how are they getting this information. There's also government 
websites. Lots of countries have government databases where they do yearly salary research and just statistics and you can see trends and things like that for specific industries. So that's also a good resource to use. Yeah. And also what I always tell people is check your local disclosure laws, because in the United States, at least, there are strong rules about what is and is not public information. So if you're going into education in the United States, as long as they're public institutions like a public high school or something like that, you can actually get pretty much all of the salaries of the teachers or the administrators. Or if you're going into the nonprofit space, you can sometimes see some of those salaries on their financial disclosure forms. You know, you could be really inventive. And as long as you have a good grasp on your industry, you can sometimes, like you said, find out salaries from the past year. And also, as you mentioned, things like the Bureau of Labor Statistics will look at wages. So there's also publicly available information. So those are really good resources. The next question that I have for you is, you look at all these places, you ask your friend, you look on a government website, and you come up with maybe a range. How do you know that that's good information? And also, how do you use that to your advantage during the hiring process or even while you're actually at a job to ask for a raise? After you've done research, I think after as long as you have multiple sources, that's very important. But I think the most important thing is to take inventory of your own skills and really get honest with yourself and see where you're at. Because now you have all the information, you know all of the factors that go into it. Now go in and really look and see where are you on that range based on your skills and your experience. Because that's really how a company's going to determine If you know this information now, you can use it to your advantage in every interview, in the application, every interaction you have with that company, you really have to prove and show your unique value proposition. And with the information that you have from the salary research, you can make sure to highlight the things that get you to that number that you want. Yeah. And also, I think it's important to also caution people to be realistic about your findings, too, because they see the highest number and they go for it. So if you see the online one report of someone getting $135,000, let's say, but really everything else is showing you something around like 85000 or 70000 that really big number, that 135, is probably an outlier. So you don't want to chase after something that's not real. Yes, there's some companies that pay above market for whatever reason. That specific person was able to negotiate. They got a different number than what everyone else is getting. You have to understand that companies work with budgets. So as much as they might like you and they might think that you're worth, you have to be realistic in your expectations. Yeah. And sometimes you have to walk away if they really are undervaluing you or they don't have the money and you think that, you know, it's just too big of a gap. So if a company realistically can't pay you what you think you're valued and you're not willing to take that cut, then you do have to be able to walk away. Yeah, for sure. And it's difficult. The first time I negotiated my salary 
was really because one of the first things that I do before starting a job search is really write down all of my bills. How much do I need to live my life? And not just the bills. I don't only want to work to have enough money to pay bills. I want to do things like take a trip once a year and I want to go out to eat. So I take those things into account. If a company isn't offering me the number that I need to live my life, I can't. Yeah. It's a waste of time. And that's why I love having the salary conversations early on. If you value your time, you will have the conversations early on in the process. You want to be happy. So you want to make sure that you're at least getting the minimum of what you need. It also really helps you plan for your career because there's a difference when you know, in order for me to get to this financial goal that I have, these are the things that I need to do to get to making that salary. Is there anything else people should know about this topic or anything that we didn't cover that you know is important to mention? Being able to prove to a company that you actually are worth what you're saying you're worth. So knowing the data is part of it, but knowing how to prove it to people and showcase your skills and that you're worth a certain amount is really the most important part of the salary negotiation. I think that's a really good piece of advice to end on. Thank you so much, Rona. Thank you for having me. That was Rona Pierce, who is a LinkedIn top voice and a branding and visibility strategist for overlooked professionals. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday. Because we'll continue this conversation on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Faria is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joja Georgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming at LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.